Shalom to Gracians and friends who are online. For everyone who has come back on site, welcome home. Now, we are currently on Breaking the Circuit preaching series, focusing on the book of Exodus. Just in case, if you are new among us, we are actually focusing, we're going to chapter by chapter all the way through Exodus. Last week, uh, we learned in Exodus chapter 6 that Yahweh assured His people of His promise the promise of deliverance out of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this weekend, we will embark on an accelerated journey through Exodus chapter 7 all the way to chapter 10 and to understand the significance of the plagues that Yahweh used against Pharaoh and, of course, against the Egyptian gods. So in total, we know that from Exodus 7 to 10, there were 10 plagues. Say with me, 10. There are altogether 10 plagues used against Egypt, and we will examine nine of them today, leaving the last plague, the death of the firstborn, in the next two weeks. Now, the title for today's sharing is The Outbreak Showdown. The Outbreak Showdown. And the big idea for this morning is, God demonstrated His power over all other powers so that we can place our faith in Him. Can somebody say amen? We want to place our faith in a God whose power is over all other powers. And let's examine right now Yahweh's power unleashed against the gods of Egypt in Exodus chapter 7. Reading from, reading from verse 1 to 2 in Exodus 7, it says this, And Yahweh said to Moses, See, I have made you like God, like an Elohim to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Verse 2, You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh, to let the people of Israel go out of this land. Now from verse 1, it's very clear that Yahweh made Moses appear like a God, a God-like figure, like an Elohim, to Pharaoh where, where Aaron served as Moses' prophet, his mouthpiece. And we must understand that in the eyes of the Egyptians, ancient Egyptians, Pharaoh was believed to be the incarnated son of Ra. Ra was actually the sun god. And Pharaoh was treated like a deity the way that Moses was treated like a deity by Pharaoh. So the first two verses in chapter 7 set the stage right now for Yahweh against the Egyptian gods. On one side, you have Yahweh and Moses. And on the opposing end, you have Ra, the sun god, and his incarnated son, Pharaoh. So from here, you can see there is a spiritual contest of powers and supremacy between Yahweh and the Egyptian gods. So look at verse 3 right now. We continue verse 3 where it says, But I will harden. Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh 
will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh, I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Again, very clearly in verses 3 to 4, that Yahweh would display His power, display His acts of judgment on Egypt through Pharaoh's hardness of heart. And through Yahweh's mighty acts, Pharaoh and the Egyptians would know who Yahweh really was. Now the question is this, why must Yahweh prove His power and authority to Egypt and in Egypt? Well, very simply because if you recall, it was Pharaoh. Pharaoh himself who made a very strong statement to challenge the existence of Yahweh. If you recall in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh said this, Who is Yahweh? Who is He? That I should obey His voice and, and let Israel go. I do not know Yahweh. I don't know this Lord. Moreover, I will not let Israel go. So you can see that Pharaoh's reckless challenge of Yahweh led to the unfolding of Yahweh's power and might in Egypt. Not only that, Yahweh also used the opportunity in Egypt to execute judgments on the gods of Egypt. And this is found in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. A very interesting verse that says this, it says that I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And it says here, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. This last statement here is a very interesting one. Who were these gods of Egypt? You see, for Yahweh to address them here, it shows that they were real spiritual beings. And for those of you, if you recall, in our Supernatural Realm series in the first half of this year, we did learn, right? We learned that there are fallen divine beings who are in divine rebellion against Yahweh. And these fallen sons of God will eventually be judged and they will die like mortal men as written in Psalms 82. So until the judgment day comes, these fallen beings are the gods over the nations today. Now, if you're new to Grace Assembly, especially for those of you who are online, if you're new to us and you want to level up on this area of teaching, please scan the QR code on the screen right now to access Grace YouTube and review the Supernatural Realm series again. I'm sure you'll be, you'll be greatly blessed by the teaching there. But suffice to say that Yahweh used the opportunity in Egypt to execute part of His judgment on the gods of Egypt, as we have seen and read in Exodus 12, 12. Now let's examine right now the punishment through the nine plagues on Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. Let's look at the nine plagues right now. Now, the nine plagues are found in Exodus chapter 7 all the way to 10. 
and they are as follows. The nine of them, they are the plague of the Nile, the plague on the Nile, the plague of frogs, the nets, the flies, the livestock, the boys, the hail, the locusts, and of course, last one, uh, the ninth one, darkness, the plague of darkness. Now, although the nine plagues appeared one after another from chapter 7 to 10, some scholars believe, they actually believe that these entire plagues, they took almost a year, more than six months to a year, to finish their course in Egypt. Although chronologically, when we read it, right, we can finish it in, maybe in, in less than five minutes, but it took six months to a year to finish. Huh? So some of these nine plagues were not new to ancient e Egypt, but the scale on which they took place was never experienced by the Egyptians before. It was precisely the scale of the plagues that demonstrated Yahweh's power over nature and the Egyptian gods. There is another important fact that we need to know in this confrontation between Yahweh and the gods of Egypt. As mentioned earlier, Pharaoh, Pharaoh was believed to be the incarnated son of Ra. And Ra was the highest deity in the ancient Egyptian pantheon of gods. He was the sun god, so-called the creator god in the Egyptian worldview. And as the son of Ra, one of Pharaoh's key roles was maintaining Ma'at. Ma'at is the, 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 meaning, the, the, the meaning of Ma'at means that the cosmic order in Egypt. And one of Pharaoh's key roles was to maintain Ma'at, maintain order in Egyptian land. And Pharaoh was to remove chaos in the land and ensure cosmic order for his people to enjoy life. So whenever there was disorder, whenever there was chaos in the land, Pharaoh would then pray to Ra or to the gods of Egypt to intervene and to restore balance and order in Egypt. But the thing is this, church, the moment Yahweh unleashed the plagues, there was no way that Pharaoh could reverse or even stop them unless by the word of Moses. All the plagues serve as a polemic. A polemic means that it was an attack on Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. So the plagues, as they, as they were sent by Yahweh, these plagues expose the weaknesses of the Egyptian gods and how useless Pharaoh was in maintaining cosmic order of Ma'at for his people. And let's now examine some of the plagues to show how impotent Pharaoh and his gods were against Yahweh. Now, given the time limitation in this service, I will only focus on four of the nine plagues. And let's begin right now with the first plague. Plague number one is found in Exodus 7, verse 17. He says, Thus saith Yahweh, by this you shall know that I am Yahweh. Behold, with the staff that's in my hand, I will strike the water that's in the now, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the now shall die, and the now will stink, 
And the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. The setting for the first plague was at the river Nile. Now, it's very interesting for Yahweh to begin with the river now. Remember that Moses himself, if you remember when Moses was a baby, Moses was supposed to die in the river now because an earlier Pharaoh wanted to kill all the male infants in Exodus chapter 2. And we know that many infants die in the river now because of the cruelty of the earlier Pharaoh. Now, many decades later, Yahweh chose to begin His first judgment on Egypt at the very place where the Israelites lost their baby boys. Now, what a powerful way. What a powerful, what a powerful way to remind the Egyptians that Yahweh had not forgotten the pain of the Israelites. And furthermore, the river now was the primary source of life for the Egyptians where they obtained fresh water and seafood. So Yahweh started the first divine judgment on Egypt's very source of life. So can you imagine with me, the Egyptians waking up in the morning to see their main source of life polluted and filled with the stench of death. No drinking water and no fresh seafood. Now, how many of you, you like seafood? Like crabs, fish, fresh fish. So can you imagine that day they woke up, the Egyptians, they couldn't find fresh water and they could not find fresh seafood. And from the main source of life, you can imagine right now from the point of the Egyptian, from the main source of life to become a place of death. So the first plague was a direct polemic, an assault against Pharaoh and his gods that they could not, they could not maintain cosmic order of Ma'at and to ensure life to the Egyptians. And with this now, let me examine the third plague. Another very interesting plague in Exodus chapter 8 now, verse 16, it says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become nets in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were nets on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became nets in all the land of Egypt. Now, the third plague was the plague of nets. Now, these are tiny insects that can be very, very irritating. So the nets started invading into the Egyptian lives, when, when, when Aaron's star struck the earth and the nets began to grow out from the ground unto both man and beast. And some scholars actually believe that the nets in this third plague eventually grew to become flies for the fourth plague. But what's more impressive was the acknowledgement of the Egyptian magicians the magicians who served Pharaoh, they said this about the third plague in verse 18. The magicians, and let me read to you right now in verse 18, the magicians tried by their secret arts to produce nets, but they could not. So there was something about these nets that they could not produce or reproduce. So there were, so there were nets on both man 
and the beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. It took them the third plague. The first two plagues, they said, Maybe, maybe not, not too sure. But by the third plague, they said, This is the finger of God, Pharaoh. In the third plague, the Egyptian magicians finally admitted that they could not fight against the power of Yahweh and said, this, is, this must be the finger of God. So the moment the magicians could not conjure up the same play as Moses, they realized that they were fighting against a divine being who was more powerful than them, more powerful than the gods that the magicians were serving. Verse 19 can be rephrased in our typical Singlish style where we will say, Oh, Pharaoh, siao leo la. Moses' God is real one, you know. No way, man, we can fight this. Just look at it right now. So tell your neighbor next to you right now, for those of you on side, tell your neighbor next to you, we are on God's side. For those of you online, please type on the chat, on God's side. Therefore, the Nets reminded the Egyptians that Pharaoh and their gods were powerless against Yahweh. And we can see that the disorder, the disorder had now moved from the river now into the Egyptian homes. And the plagues then intensified further with the attack on the animals in the land, their livestock, their food, especially for meat. Let's look at the fifth plague right now. In Exodus 9.1, it says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus saith Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold on to them, behold, the hand of Yahweh will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds and the flocks. The fear plague, the fear plague was a pestilence targeted at the animals and the livestock of Egypt. And all the animals died because of the pestilence. But that was not the most amazing phenomena. The most amazing phenomena is seen in chapter 9, verse 4. Let me go to that right now. But Yahweh will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. Now Yahweh protected the Israelites from the pestilence where their livestock in, Go in the land of Goshen was unharmed, untouched. And we also see that throughout the plagues, Yahweh protected the Israelites from suffering any harm. Now I want to take this opportunity as well to address some of the scriptural or misuse of scriptural texts among believers. Now, if you recall, this took place last year when COVID-19 virus first arrived on the scene. And many believers, I'm sure some of you, some of you may have received text messages like this where, where there were text messages that say that all oh, the, the, the templates they say that, or they use passages from templates to say that COVID-19 was likened to the plagues in Egypt, which God sent to punish the world. And I received some of these text messages. When I saw it, I said, oh my goodness, 
Because I said this says something wrong here because there is a theological problem to relate COVID-19 with the plagues in Egypt. And when I, when I received this text, sorry, you must understand that it was very personal for me because when I received it, I was in NCID reading it. I said, oh, wow. And let me explain to you why there's some theological problem. You see, the plagues in Egypt were Yahweh's judgment against Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. We know that, right? We read it, we know. And the plagues brought devastation upon the Egyptians, but not on the Israelites, God's people. The harm, the pestilence, and all the plagues did not touch them. But COVID-19 cannot be in the same category as the plagues in Egypt, my friends, because many Christians worldwide have suffered and even died from this pandemic. And I hope that as Bible-believing Christians, we do not take God's Word out of context because it can cause confusion and pain to believers and even non-believers who suffered during this difficult time. And let's not flippantly relate current events with historical Bible events without deeper theological consideration. There are so many text messages and videos that are spreading misinformation from the Bible. And it's very sad for me when I see and read some of them, especially spreading among believers. A good example that I can give you is, I know people who are saying right now that the COVID-19 vaccine is the mark of the beast mentioned in Revelation 13. Have you guys received texts like this? I received and I even heard videos of people teaching this. This, oh, the vaccine is, is the mark of the beast. Don't take it. Don't, please don't. When you take it, you'll be, you'll be controlled by the beast. you lose your faith and blah, 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 blah. But now let me say that this is totally untrue and theologically unfounded. And let me explain to you why. Because it shows there's a lack of understanding about scriptures without understanding the context of Revelation 13 regarding the mark of the beast. Because theologically, the mark of the beast in Revelation 13 is not about a vaccine. It is about a representation of the Antichrist. We do not know what that representation is. But in order to know the mark of the beast, according to Revelation 13, the Antichrist needs to first appear on the world scene and be recognized by all. We just take Revelation 13, the last, the last verse, like, oh, six, 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 okay, this, is, this must be the mark of the beast. So the vaccine is the mark of the beast because it's controlling the whole world. Without reading the entire chapter of Revelation 13, because the Antichrist, he or she needs to appear on the scene first, recognized by all. And through him, trade must take place, right? So it's a mark, a representation. So maybe I ask the other question right now. So who is the Antichrist that a vaccine is representing now? Who? Do you guys know who? Very difficult, right? Because there are so many vaccines, right? Is it the one from China? Or the one from US? Or from Germany? Which one right now? Or the one from US? Or, or UK? So which one right now? There are so many vaccines in the world. So how many antichrists are there? So theologically, church, there are some issues here. Therefore, I do not believe that the current vaccine are the mark of the beast. I don't. Because the logically, it's, it's, it's just not sound. 
So let's not be too quick to share misinformation from the Bible and create confusion and fear. But rather, church, let's be discerning. Let's bring hope to people around us during this very difficult time. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say amen? So for those of you online, please type, let's bring hope to everyone around us, okay? So coming back to the fifth plague, chapter 9, verse 5, has something for us to know about Yahweh's power through the fifth plague. It says this, And Yahweh set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day, the Lord did this thing. And all the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. Now, if you have noticed, throughout the plagues, Yahweh determined the exact timing of each plague. Even when Yahweh gave advance warning to the Egyptians for some of these plagues, you notice that the Egyptian gods could not stop them from happening. The magicians and all that served Pharaoh could not stop these plagues. Again, a clear demonstration of who was in charge of the supernatural realm. And Yahweh was clearly the highest and greatest power in the spiritual realm. So what can we learn, church, from the spiritual conflicts between Yahweh and the gods of Egypt? Well, firstly, we can learn that there are spiritual conflicts between the kingdom of God and the power of darkness. And we know that. We learned that in our Supernatural Realm series. Spiritual conflicts arises whenever God's kingdom invades into the territory of the fallen beings or into places where evil spirits have a stronghold. But regardless of the, 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 this spiritual conflict among us, the second truth is that Yahweh is supreme over all spiritual beings in every conflict. No power of darkness can withstand against the power of Yahweh. Can somebody say amen to that? And that's what the Bible declares in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow. Every knee, both in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So my friend, if you are going through a spiritual conflict right now, if you are here and you, or you're online, if you're going through a spiritual conflict in your life where you sense the presence of evil demonic beings, what should you do? If in the situation where you are right now, if you sense that this is beyond natural, this is supernatural, you sense demonic beings, what do you do right now? Some of you will say, oh, very simple, pastor. I just call my spiritual self, my, my grace group leaders. Ah. Or I call my pastor. Or maybe pastor, I call you. Well, that's one possible way. But just in case when you call us, we're all asleep at night, right? Then how? Another problem come, right? They say, oh, yeah, I call pastor, pastor sleeping. Pastor sleep early, one cannot call him. Or you call somebody, somebody's not around. So, so what do you do now? Well, the best way, my friend, the best way for all of us as believers of Jesus Christ is that we arise. 
we arise as a child of God with the authority of Jesus Christ to break the power of every demonic presence. And I want you to know that as a child of God, you possess the authority of Jesus Christ against all forms of spiritual evil. You do not need to call anyone. You do not need to allow fear to cripple and paralyze you. All you need to do is to arise as a child of God and pray. And pray like this. Say, in Jesus' name, I address right now every demonic presence here. Maybe in your room, in your office, I address every demonic presence here. And I bind your activities. And I command you to leave this place in the name of Jesus Christ. And I take authority over you in Jesus' mighty name and command you never to return here again. That is the kind of prayer you should pray. Take authority as a child of God over every demonic spiritual beings because they bow at the name of Jesus. Some of you are thinking, right? I say, Pastor, is that all I need to do when I encounter the demonic presence? Yes. That's all you need to do when you have the authority of Jesus Christ. You don't need to do any song and dance. Don't need, don't, you don't need to do any somersault at home. You just need to use the name of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? So stand strong, stand firm on the absolute authority of Christ because every demonic spirit must submit itself to the powerful name of Christ. The story of the plagues in Exodus reinforce that Yahweh is the highest power and authority in the spiritual realm. And today as God's people, we have the highest authority and power in Jesus Christ over every demonic forces. So tell neighbor right now, for those of you on site, tell neighbor on left and right, you have Christ's authority. For those of you online, please type in the chat, I have Christ's authority. Now, let's move on right now with this to the ninth plague against Pharaoh and his gods found in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. It says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heavens, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. Very interesting. This darkness can be felt. Verse 22, So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they live. The ninth plague threw the entire land of e Egypt into darkness, except for the place where the Israelites were. The ninth plague was another direct polemic against Pharaoh and Ra, the sun god. And let me explain this. In the Egyptian worldview, Ra was a sun god who created the earth. That's what they believe. And Ra gave light to the Egyptians every day so that they could carry out their daily activities. The rising of the sun the, the, is to the Egyptian the victory over darkness, over chaos. So the moment Yahweh sent darkness over the land, for three days and immobilized the Egyptians. Church, you must understand that everyone in Egypt knew that something was very wrong. It was as if Ra was put on a quarantine order for three days due to a very severe sickness. It was as suddenly for three days, Ra didn't appear. 
For three days, Ra disappeared. Ra didn't show up for work because Yahweh quarantined him. And for the Egyptian worldview, darkness symbolized death and death was part of the chaos motif. So for three days, the Egyptians were plagued with chaos and disorder of darkness. And the message was crystal clear. Yahweh totally defeated them. And the darkness set the ominous tone for the 10th plague against the Egyptian firstborn. It was a, a messaging to them that, hey, your gods are defeated. And we will touch on the last devastating plague in the next two weeks. But I want to end today's sharing with a statement that both God and Moses repeatedly used throughout the nine plagues. And the statement is this, let my people go that they may serve me. Now, this was not a request statement, but a command. A command to Pharaoh to let the Israelites go and worship Yahweh. And throughout the plagues, Yahweh was telling Pharaoh that the worship of Yahweh must take precedence over the Egyptian system that enslaved the Israelites. The worship of God is more important than, than Pharaoh, than the work assigned by Pharaoh. It's more important than even the system of Egypt. And church, I believe that the same truth applies today for all of us as modern-day believers of Jesus Christ. That the worship of Jesus Christ is more important than our work. It's more important than the world system around us. It's more important than all the demands. All the demands our attention and time. And as God's servant today, I'm calling you all of your gracious on-site and online. I'm calling you to return. I'm calling you to worship our Savior and King Jesus Christ. I'm calling you to be free from the enslavement of the pharaohs in your life. Some of us have allowed our career and work to become the pharaoh of our lives. And because of the heavy demand from our work 24 by 7, we have stopped worshipping and serving God. And yes, some of us may have tried very hard to tune in online to, to, to catch up with our service, but we are highly distracted even watching the online service and have not given a whole heart of worship unto the Lord. And for some of you here and online, God is calling you to return and worship Him. And church, we must not let the world system Maybe our work, maybe our friends, things around us to take us away from worshipping Jesus Christ. And today, I'm calling you back to worship our Lord Jesus. I'm calling you to put Jesus Christ at the centre of your life again. Because once Christ is at the centre of your life, everything else will flow into His place. And may our family, our career, our personal ambition never replace the worship of Jesus Christ, church. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you regarding the pharaohs of your life. And may you partner with God to remove anything that has enslaved you, that has trapped you from giving wholehearted worship and service unto Jesus Christ. God is calling us today. Let my people go that they may serve me. Amen. So with this, let me conclude. 
In closing, we have learned that Yahweh unleashed the nine plagues to demonstrate His power over all other powers, all other powers in, in the Egyptian pantheons so that we can place, and of course, all other powers in our lives. Christ has demonstrated, or Yahweh has demonstrated His power over all our powers so that we can place our faith in Him. And today, church, God is calling us. God is calling us to worship and serve Him with complete devotion and loyalty. So would you, would you where you are, give your wholehearted worship unto Christ today? So with that, let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that has come forth today to show us that you are the highest and greatest God in the spiritual realm. And we can place our faith in you because you rule supreme, O oh God, over all other gods. And today, Lord Jesus, we give our full devotion and worship unto you. Not to others, not to our work, not to our, the system of the world, but unto you, O oh God. So with every eye closed and head bowed, I believe God is speaking to different ones of you here right now, both here on-site and online. Some of you will be going through difficult situations or I mean, you may be going through situations where you sense that you are dealing with evil spiritual beings. And today, God's Word has shown you that Jesus Christ is the most powerful and the greatest of all in a spiritual realm. And you have the authority over every demonic spirit that has come to disrupt your life. Every demonic spirit that has come to even, to even call you to, to end your life through suicide. I want you to know that you have the authority to stop these voices. All you need to do is to take up the authority of Jesus Christ, silence the voices of this demonic spirit that wants you to end your life. I want you right now to take authority and buy and command them to leave your life, leave your situation, leave your marriage, leave your home. So if that's you and you're saying, I have enough of the enemy's disruption and voices in my life. I will take authority over every demonic voice and influence in the mighty name of Jesus that I've learned today. If that's you, if that's you, where you are on site, online, lift your hands to the Lord right now. I say, God, help me to stop these voices. Thank you. Thank you. And, and use the authority of Christ to live victoriously. If that's you, lift your hands all over this place right now. Hallelujah. Thank you. And for, and for those of you online, so respond to the Lord if you know that you need God to help you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The second group of you, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today not to be enslaved and trapped by the world system. And it's time for you to worship and serve God wholeheartedly. And if that's you, you know God is calling you to be free, to be free so that you can worship Him. Let my people go that they may worship me. If you know God is speaking to you, lift your hands to Him right now all over this place. If that's you, lift your hand and say, God, that's me. Thank you for speaking to me and I respond by lifting my hands to you. That's right. Lift your hands to Him all over this place. That's you. Lift your hands on site, online. That's right. Respond to the Lord and say, God, may I never be trapped. Thank you. May I never be enslaved. May nothing in my life take you away from me. If that's you, lift your hands right now. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Because I know the Lord is calling some of you back to serve Him as well. 
Because serving Him is a form of worship unto Him. It's time for some of you to return to serve Him. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, you see these hands that are raised and surrender to you. May you set your people free so that they can worship and serve you wholeheartedly in every dimension of their lives. So we thank you, Father. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen.